I've been reading through um, the book of First John, and um, come across a verse um, that led me to a sermon that we did here several years ago. I think it was back in 2015 that I, I found it, or 2014, somewhere thereabout. Um, here at the church. At not that time, we was known as Bethesda Church, that it was named uh, back in 1997 um, when this church was founded and set in order uh, by the General Council or the District Council of the Assemblies of God here in Kentucky. Um, in 2020, we changed the name to the bridge. Um, to just kind of refocus and regroup to set us on a pathway of change a little bit. And we had met all through 2019 as a leadership council, um, multiple, multiple meetings, strategizing, coming up with a plan, and a three-year plan that we had devised uh, to help see the church grow and flourish and be inclusive to people from all walks of life. And um, we had no idea that in the midst of all those meetings and um, strategy sessions of what was coming. And sometimes we don't know the future. Amen? And Dustin, Elizabeth, and Ryan, and, and Albie, Ben Leslie, uh, we had some tough conversations during that year in 2019 trying to um, get down to the core and, and change why does this church exist? What's the purpose of this church? Does Lewis County need this church? We asked that question. And that's not an easy question to ask. And in that, we used to I um, have a slogan that we said all the time, love God, love people, which is awesome. Amen. <laughs> if you live by that philosophy and live by those words, uh, I assure you, you'll be better off um, with those words being your mantra than not. Amen. Love God, love people. And that's taken basically from Jesus' words when they come to him and ask him which is the most important of the commandments. And he said, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, if you do these two things, you'll fulfill all of the Ten Commandments. You won't have to worry about killing your neighbor if you love them. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. And if you love God, you'll love your neighbor. John says that in this book, in First John, that if you don't love your brother, what you can see, you can't love God whom you cannot see. And that's easier said than done sometimes. Amen. Anybody ever have somebody get up under your skin, get on your last nerve, and that's the only nerve you have? Amen. It, it gets real sometimes. And that's the church we want to be as a real church, a church that meets, that creates, that inspires, that brings people to an understanding that we are better together than we are apart. God calls us to be people that reaches out, that loves, 
unconditionally. But that mantra of love of God, love people, we decided that uh, we was going to change it up a little bit and say that this church would be known as a group of people who is becoming Christ-like by learning together and serving others. So if you want to know who we are and what we are and why we do what we do, it's we want to be a group of people that becomes Christ-like. How many wants to be Christ-like? It means be Christian. <laughs> to be a Christian means to be Christ-like. And you do that by learning together and serving others. How long has it been since you read something in the Bible that changed your mind? <laughs> Aunt Mary was telling me just yesterday, I believe, she told me that she had always had this understanding of King Solomon, and we just did a sermon series on it for multiple weeks, and she always had this understanding that Solomon was a guy that had it all figured out, had wisdom, had that, led the country well. But in the end, she finally came across the verses that depicted how that in the end that Solomon completely lost control, served other gods, abandoned God, walked away from the God he knew, the God of his childhood, the God of King David that brought victory over Goliath. Solomon walked away from that and said, I'd rather go chase these gods that my wives had. And he set temples up on these higher hills even than the temple of God. And he went there to worship instead of worshiping at the temple that he built for God. And basically what the story in that is that we got to be careful. Amen? Of what we worship. <laughs> Was that too heavy or is that okay? We have to be careful what we worship. Because the Bible talks about idols and anything can be an idol. Any person can be an idol. We've even got TV programs now called American Idol. And they become an idol overnight. You take a little kid from Eastern Kentucky that's hanging sheetrock, you know, comes on The Voice, and all these different programs are all the same. It's all an idol. And overnight, because of one audition, changes their destiny. And we have to be careful because the Bible says that beauty is fleeting. <laughs> Amen. I used to be good looking. Believe it or not. <laughs> In my own eyes. That's kind of an idol, right? We can be an idol ourselves. But you've got to be careful because, because when you just strike one chord and you have that moment of success that you chase after the wrong things. And God is the only one that can allow us to have success. Amen? If we don't give him credit that he is our success maker, when we start saying, I did this, and I did that, and I built this, and I built that, we're in harm's way. Amen? Because what's the idol? Me, myself, and I scary and we've all been there we can, we can all think through our minds right now and thinking of the other people in the room that you might be thinking well he's probably talking to so and so I know what they're doing <laughs> amen <laughs> we need to think about ourselves. I don't know I'm not a highly educated person but there's things called introspection 
right, where we truly look deep, try to figure out who we are, what we're doing. But these verses I was reading through John, though, that it, it brought all of those memories back that for Bethesda, for the Bridge Church, that there's been moments of success. And some of you that may not have been here all that long now may be sitting here today and thinks this is a small crowd. And it is, compared to normal Sundays that we've had for the past several months. This is a smaller crowd that we've had. But it's vacation time. It's goes with ebbs and flows, doesn't it, Dusty? Dusty's been here a long time. We've seen the good, bad, and ugly here. But men, lastly, and Betty, and my mom, and Sister Joanne, have sat in services here for the week in and week out that there will be no more than eight to ten people here every week for weeks and weeks and weeks. And the Bible says don't despise the day of small beginnings. Amen? And you got to be faithful in little, <laughs> the Bible says, before he will reward you with much. And we all need to take that to heart, that success isn't in numbers with the church either. It's about what we've talked about often that Dusty always says that we've read books on and everything else that says RTLs radically transform lives, that that's our goal, that we want to see people, as our mantra is now, or our vision, mission statement, become Christ-like by what? What are we going to do? How are we going to become Christ-like? What? Learning together and serving others. So the introspection part I want you to do right now is, when did I learn together with another person at the bridge biblical concepts and principles? And when was the last time I served with the people of this team whether in a nursery setting, at a function we do downtown, at a whatever we do here at the bridge. Did you serve in the church or outside the church? When was the last time you served? And I know multiple, multiple, multiple people in this room do it really, really well. There's, there's some servants' hearts in this, in this room. And I don't want to go to start naming names because <laughs> people in this room are making a difference. Amen. Amen. But as I'm saying this, this sermon that come back was, it was a sermon back then that sometimes we have to walk a mile in another's shoes. Come on, somebody, to see from their perspective or to feel, or, and there's things about being an empath, that that is a person that feels, literally feels with their being the pain that others are experiencing. 
It's not just that I'm sympathizing with them or I'm sorry they're having to go through it, but I literally feel their pain. That's an empath. And I know there's empaths here in this group. I'm not one of them. Amen. I sympathize with people. My heart breaks when I see people hurt. But I don't tangibly feel the pain. But I know people that do. But as I was going through all these thoughts, it's the, the main ideal of this sermon back then called Trading Spaces. How many ever watched Trading Spaces? On Was that TLC or one of the old shows? I don't know. It was pretty, pretty awesome Trading Spaces that you go, you know, and totally swap houses and get to dig through the closets, I guess. I don't know, snoop around, whatever you would do if you was in somebody else's house. And I just wondered, what, what if we as a church would just open up and everybody had to turn in their keys and by chance you walked up and in a bucket, you just pulled out a set of keys and you had to ask the person, well, whose are these keys? And then we would send you to their house to live this week. Come on, somebody. How many, how many would jump in for that and say, okay, I'm in, I'm game. Sign me up. Where's the bucket? How many's house is ready for that? Because you don't get to go home and clean up before they come. They get to leave from here and go home. <laughs> yeah, mom was there last Sunday cleaning your house. We're okay, Howard. Thank God for mamas, right? But that Trading Spaces was a, was a sermon. I, I remembered it, and it, it just kind of sparked it. Uh, trading Spaces, and it's something... How many heard this term, if it ain't broke, don't fix it? Anybody ever heard that? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. My question for you today is the opposite. If it is broke, should we fix it? Amen? If something's broke, we should fix it. We've got a consensus here. And a consensus means 51% of you was nodding your head. Another 49 cents saying, I don't like change. There's some folks don't like change. Right, TJ? Anybody in some leadership positions, you get around a group of people and try to initiate some change, and what happens? And that happened here. Literally happened here. One time, Leslie and I come in, and we moved the piano. And you would have thought hell and the devil himself entered the building <laughs> because the piano moved. We get so caught up in our ways, don't we, as humans, that we're so stagnant in my way is the best way and the way we've always done it should be the way we always do it. It's scary because God is a God of change. The Bible says he changes not. How many have seen him do some changing? He don't change. He changes us. Amen? And one thing we need to change a lot is our perspective. Amen? And sometimes that takes stepping outside of your normals. And there's nobody more stuck in their ways, or not stuck in their ways, but uh, patterned in their life than Howie that I know of. He, he's pretty patterned. I told you the story a few weeks ago about he goes to the racetrack and he sits in the same seat and he won't move and Ryan gets, he's like, I'm going down here. I'm going down here where I can watch. You can sit up there where you can't see anything. I'm going to go over here. 
but how he says it wouldn't feel right if I go over there. How many's like that? Kind of, you, you like it just the way it always is. I, I'm guilty too of that. It ain't just my brother. I, we both got the same DNA. <laughs> if I wake up in the morning, my coffee's got to be there, and I got to start it. I got to get my handful of walnuts, and I got to get my blueberry muffins. Now, I don't stop and buy blueberry muffins. Leslie does. And I'm glad she does. Because 99.9% .9 of the time, there's blueberry muffins there for me. Oh, that was beautiful. Who, who did the aw? That, that was, oh, that's awesome. That's what, how it feels. But the second they're not there, you'll see how ugly I can be. Amen, Chuck? That's, it, it brings the worst out in a stone. That, that little bit of, uh-oh, I like it my way here. Uh, I know. I apologize. I'm sorry for being a deadbeat husband. Um, but I do like my blueberry muffins. I guess if you didn't I have them there for two days in a row. Because she lives with Eric. She's, she's uh, feeling this pain Eric with you. Makes <laughs> <laughs> <And> packages them <laughs> in special... Uh, packages. I I wouldn't doubt that at all. Eric, he he's pretty OCD too. Um, I love Eric. God called us to be people who redeem the broken lives of those within our reach. God called us, plural, us, all of us. Look at your neighbor and say us. To be people who redeem the broken lives of those without or within our reach. If we could see through others' broken lens, would our perspectives change? If we could see, or as I said, walk in others' shoes, would our perspective change? So I got a little um, something I want to do. Well, there's two things we're going to do. Last time when we done trading spaces, we, we did something. And is anybody here in 2014? How, how many attended the church in 2014? Okay, two, three, four. Yeah, you did. Per, okay, so yeah, so there's, yeah, that was the year when the big Easter egg hunt, all that. Um, so <laughs> very few people have experienced this, so it's this is going to be a little, little uh, different. So, and I, I just want you to know that the bridge is not responsible for any harm <laughs> or hurt feelings that is about to happen. Amen. You can't hold us liable for this. Uh, you, you're signing a waiver by your attendance in the seat right now. You, you have hereby given over the, your rights to a, a lawsuit. So uh, nobody's suing nobody because the Bible says so. Amen? And man, I, I, Leslie was with the Amish a while back, and, and that was one of the things that Leslie learned about the Amish is they don't sue. There's one of them lost their truck. Somebody stole their truck. Their driver stole their truck and signed the title over to himself. Legally. Legally. And they won't sue to get their truck back. You talk about taking the Bible literally, figuratively. It is what it says it is, and it says what it says it says. Right? It's pretty tough stuff. So why is everybody leaving? Bubba, you're not allowed to leave. Where are you going? Chicken. You big chicken. Oh, okay. Baby's crying. Well, he can go get him. Brenton, one of them. Um, so... If you're in the room today, and how many wears corrective lenses? If you wear corrective lenses, uh, raise your hand. So, Bootsy, raise your hand up. You're always wanting to be seen. Here's your chance. 
We lo- how many loves Bootsy? <laughs> Amen. Bootsy's awesome. Um, so if you have, how many wears glasses? Let's say it that way. How many wears glasses? Okay. So if you have glasses, I want you to find somebody that, now how many doesn't wear glasses or doesn't have glasses on at this moment? Okay. So if you have glasses, I want you to take your glasses and give them to somebody that's close by you that doesn't have glasses on. <laughs> Clean them off. There you go. This is kind of like the dirty house thing. Okay. Somebody, somebody take glasses. And remember who you give them to because it's the only way you're going to get them back. So, all right. Now, if you don't wear glasses, I need you to put those glasses that were just handed to you on. So I want you to, if you don't have glasses, didn't have glasses on when you walked in the room, put glasses on. Now, I want you to look around, take a, take a look at those pretty people around you. <laughs> take a look at all those pretty, now look all the way around, take, take a good gander. This is it's one of those moments where you get to you get to take it all in. Dusty, you can't pull them down like no. You they got to be full. Dusty's squinting. He's uh, he's squinting over there. He he's done. He he's handing the mic over. Okay, so so now give your glasses back to the owner, the original owner. Make sure they're not broken. Uh, so Yeah. So how was that? <laughs> it's hard to see from other people's perspective, right? That it's it's truly a lot of difference in our vision in the measurements in which we live. And Nobody asked to have to wear glasses. I remember when I was a kid and all the smart kids wore glasses, and I was jealous because I was a dumb kid, and I didn't have glasses, and I thought for sure if I would have got a pair of glasses that I would have been a smart kid. <laughs> How many thought that when you was little? Be, be honest. I thought people with glasses were smart. And in grade school, I even dated a girl one time. Well, that's what I guess we called it dating. I don't know. Going out, what you call it when you're in grade school. You don't go out anywhere to recess, maybe. And Beth McGlone, you remember, Joe Don. Uh, oh, we got Beth McGlone's kinfolk over here. So Beth was my going out partner in grade school and uh, out to recess, I guess, and me buying her pop. I don't know. And I, I, I just thought because her glasses, she was just awesome. And she was. That's a good person. But I never needed glasses. I don't think mom and dad ever took us to see if we needed glasses. <laughs> that might have been the reason I was failing. Them Fs was supposed to be A's, but it was because I didn't have glasses. Maybe that was the reason, you know. But... but <laughs> Some of the things that say in one of the old quotes, you know, that uh, poor people has poor ways, don't they? If you don't have insurance, dad wasn't looking to volunteer to work extra overtime on Chris Oat, was he, Chuck? He was with him. Some tough days stomping blacktop, 350-degree blacktop on a 100-degree day. Not good times. We didn't have insurance. 
And thankfully and luckily, after I grew up and got a job and got insurance and had to go get my eyes checked, they said, your vision's good. Good vision. Well, that's, that's nice to know at 35 years old. <laughs> Finally figured out I've got good vision. I told you guys before that the doctor last year told me that as he checked my vision again, and I've got to go annually for my CWI welding certification um, credential to keep it, I have to go and get my eyes checked every year. And every year I go in and he, he looks at my eyes and he says, yep, still no change. And last year, he, he's been in business, and this guy is, I, I'd say he's older than, yeah, 80s at least, 80s. And his wife still works in the office, and they're just good people, just awesome people. But he told me that uh, he has never checked a 46-year-old person with better vision than mine, that I read at a level better than anybody he's ever seen, even at 46. So now you know my perfectionism. <laughs> I've got good vision. The Bible says without vision, the people perish. Right? So I've got to have good vision. I don't think it's talking about physical vision, but, you know, some kind of vision. So I, I'm glad I didn't have to put anybody's glasses on right now because my perfect vision would have been messed up if I would have had to place somebody's glasses on. But it's a good... Um, illustration of the difference in our lives. That we're not all the same. We're not cookie cutter, are we? Ain't you glad? Ain't you glad your neighbor's not like you? Because you wouldn't get along with them if they were. How <laughs> I many has a hard time getting along with yourself? Amen? <laughs> Don't act like you've never talked to yourself. Because we all have. I love coming home and when I can sneak in and the dogs don't do anything or whatever unless they don't know I'm in there and I come in and she's talking to herself. Mylon, that's pretty awesome. It's, it's, and she don't care. She just keeps doing it. So it's, yeah, yeah, it does. That's for sure. I'm, I'm glad you have that conversations. Um, trading spaces. What kind of people sign up for that show? I mean, literally, who... What kind of world are we living in where people will volunteer to sign up for other people to come live in your house? And, and that, then they got trading spouses and all this different stuff. Now, what in the world, man? What, what are we dealing with here? Um, uh, pretty wild. So this is the second stage of feeling or experiencing something different than what you're accustomed to or the normalcies that you always uh, find yourself in. So you need to change in order to change. Amen? So you can't change without changing. So we got to have some change. How many would like some change? For the better. Like to change for the better, not for the worse. So we're going to trade spaces. This is a trading spaces moment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is going to be awesome. So what I need to happen is for the people in this section to stand, and you're going to be sitting in this section. 
So you're going to get up and you're going to move over to this section. People in this section are going to get up, get your valuables, because you can't trust the people's coming, to move over in this section. And the people in this section are going to move to the center section. <laughs> Shake hands along the way, just smile at people and tell them how good of a time you're having, how glad you are. Earl and Howard, you're involved. At least trade seats, if nothing else. I give Brian a chance to get another honey bun on the way. <laughs> that change was good for him, wasn't it? Okay. So. Okay, just to try to at least feel like the old ways are still there. Yeah. Yep. So how strange does it feel? Feels a little different? It's a little bit? A little bit odd? Uh, you need to get Ricky and move to the center section. <laughs> How many is used to sitting in the same seat most of the time when you get here if you get here on time? Right? Are you in that seat? No. Why not? Because you always come in and you go to the same seat. And it's weird how we do this, not just in church world, but in work world too. Leslie said she went to a convention last week, so Monday through whatever, and she says you go in and sit down at a table on day one, sometimes not even knowing the people at the table at a bigger convention, and next thing you know, you're sitting at that table, and then you go to lunch, and you come back, where do you go sit? The same table. Then you go to bed that evening in a motel that's not your home, and you go back the next morning, where do you go? Back to the same table. We're pretty repetitive as human beings, in that we just do what we do, and we are who we are. It's kind of a little bit sad, really, in some ways. So, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, but we are going to fix it if it is broke. How many knows someone in your workplace, in your family, maybe in your distant family, that is broken in their life, that they're struggling, have problems, issues. And how many of you knows of it, but you haven't told them you know of it? How many's heard through the grapevine some stuff is going on in somebody's life? And it's one of those things you know it, but you think, I'm not going to expose it or I'm not going to talk about it, right? Yeah. A little bit scary. And we're living in a world where there is, uh, the podcast last month with the men's ministry was on mental illness, and I, I've heard several instances lately from people at work that have lost uh, peers and people at their workplace to suicide. We've had it in our own community here recently. And the church is doing what? And the church is saying what? Do we want to act like it just doesn't exist? 
Do we want to act like that that struggle is for the secret places? And I'm not calling out anybody. I'm saying, what if the word of God would assist us in learning together and serving others and cause people, humans that we love and cherish to continue existing because of our compassion and our knowledge. That's what the church should be doing. I'm not saying that we are the answer. I'm saying we could help. Amen? And Dusty's job, he spoke a few weeks ago really honestly and candidly when he spoke. And some of the perspectives and the things that he was bringing was things he's learned in his workplace and dealing with people with addictions and how we just get caught in our ways. That they, Nobody woke up one morning and said, I think I'm going to become a heroin addict today and I'm going to tear off down a path to try to get there. That doesn't happen. It starts with little things, the gateway drugs, the stuff that Dusty can explain a lot better than I can. But I know enough about it to be dangerous. But as we know of these individuals or these people that may be struggling, and sometimes they're in our midst, and sometimes they're here with us at the church, and we know it, but we don't say nothing because we're afraid of what that conversation will be. Amen? Heaven forbid it would ever happen to any of us. Because if the enemy can have his way, he'll take us all out. He does not want you to exist. But your heavenly father is looking down upon you and he loved you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross to be the propitiation for our sins, it says in 1 John. The propitiation. He is the one that cleansed our slate. I get a clean slate. Why? Because of him. There was blood to be put on the altar. And what blood was it? The blood of Jesus. The book of Hebrews says the blood of bulls and goats couldn't do it. In the Old Testament, it didn't cleanse anything. It atoned it for another year. It put it off and put it off and put it off and put it off. And finally, Jesus came. Come on, somebody. Finally, Jesus came. And what did he do? He changed everything. He changed it all. So, in this, what time is it? Okay, I got five minutes to do 35 minutes of work. I wrote this down back, down back in 2014, 15, whenever we've done this sermon that trading spaces and we do these things to, because action is louder than words. I can sit here and talk to you, but if I can get you to put somebody else's glasses on or get you in another seat, it changes, and it, it's an illustration of what's going on. The Apostle John was a person that grew up comfortable in his society. Sure, James and John were brothers, and they come to Jesus, and they followed him for three and a half years. And John was the, 
only disciple that stayed and remained with Jesus even at the cross. Everybody else, the other 11, fled, took off, abandoned ship. And John, this disciple, stayed with Jesus. He's the only one that stayed. Everybody say he was doing something right. Amen. If 11 out of 12 leave and you're the only one left standing, you're doing something right if you're staying with Jesus. And if you go back and study the apostle John, he remained with Jesus all the way to the end. And he had some hiccups. He had some things throughout his life that should have drove him away from Christ, that should have caused him in the earthly fashion to abandon ship. But he didn't do that. He remained faithful to the end. And the Bible says that he that remains faithful to the end shall be saved. Amen? How many wants to be saved? Salvation meaning you want to go to heaven and you know the only path there is Jesus' blood. That's what I want. I want saved. So John did that. He was an example of that. Now, did things change in John's life? Absolutely. So when John, think about this. Jesus hanging on a cross, crown of thorns on his head, Lashes on his back. He'd been punched, it says, spit on. Nails through his hands and his feet. Sitting there was John and Mary, Jesus' mom. Mama stuck with me. Amen. Thank God for mamas, right? And Jesus even looks up in the sky and says, Eli, Eli, and he's got these words that he says in Hebrew that I can't repeat because I don't speak Hebrew, but he basically says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Dad, where you at? But he looks down and he sees Mom. And he sees John. And he says this, he says, Mother, Behold thy son. And he says, Son, behold thy mother. And he tells John, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm going to draw my last breath. John, you stuck with me, even to this point, that I'm getting ready to die, and you're still here. How many wants a friend like that? The Bible says that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And as he looks down and he says this, he said, take care of mom. How many would like to be charged by Jesus and be found by faithful by Jesus that he left you to care for his mom? You talk about trust. You talk about having faith in somebody. And as he does this, comes to the point six hours into this misery perplexing situation that Jesus knows that it's over the Bible says he says he gasped with his breath what? what's his words? it is finished 
Oh, sin. Oh, death, where is thy sting? He broke the stranglehold of sin on humanity with his last breath. But he cared who was taking care of mom. And Jesus had lived with these disciples for three and a half years and he had learned with them. He had taught them parables. He had done all these things. And oftentimes you would see in, in, in the Gospels that Mary would be there. and His sisters, Jesus' very sisters would be there. His brothers would be there. His blood-born brothers, Mary's children would be there. Jesus didn't leave her in their hands. He left them in John's hands. Why? Because he trusted him. He puts people in our path for a reason. And as we trade spaces, this disciple John, he, he had been faithful to the cross and there's no need to back up now, right? Because after I've been to the cross, I might as well stick with it, right? So John takes Mary. And history says that John, the apostle, takes off and he goes to Ephesus another big city it's not even in his nation it was in a nation that was hostile to his countrymen so it'd be like me and you Jesus telling us take somebody important to me and we would take off and go live in Afghanistan follow me and stay there and be faithful and take care of this one I've placed in your hands Think about that level of trust. And this city was the second biggest city in the world at the time. It would basically be like the New York City of the world today where the money's controlled. Rome was where the emperor was and government was done. But this city was the city of commerce. It was the city of money. How many knows where there's love of money? It's a root of all evil, right? And this is where John goes and falls behind the Apostle Paul and pastors a church in Ephesus. Pastoring in New York City would not be easy. Can anybody say amen? But God loves them enough he sends somebody there anyway. No matter their depravity, no matter their ill-gotten gain, no matter any of that, Jesus still sends people to areas and to people groups that seem unsavable. Am I speaking truth? And John finds himself there and he's speaking the truth. He's preaching the gospel. He's seeing people saved and baptized and healed and delivered and set free. He's taking care of Jesus' mom. He keeps her close by him. They even lived there in Ephesus together. How awesome of a responsibility to take care of Jesus' mom. But in the midst of that, the Roman emperor decides, we got to do something with John. Amen? We can't have this level of truth that's disrupting our currency. Amen? 
and they put him on the aisle called Patmos. If you study John's life, he ends up on the aisle called Patmos at the end of his life because he's in prison. Why? For the truth, for doing what's right. And in the aisle called Patmos is where we got the last book of the Bible called Revelation. As he was there, still remaining faithful, still remaining true, even as a prisoner to Jesus. Do whatever you want with this body. I'm sticking with it. Amen? We're living in a world where it's tumultuous that there's change happening around us every day. And in an instant, one flip of a switch, everything can change around us tomorrow morning. There can be no normal tomorrow morning. That's what happened to John. What did he do? He remained faithful. And what I'm challenging you in this trading space is this. Think from other people's perspective. God put you in their path for a reason. And sometimes we fail, don't we? I went over to the racetrack last night and sitting there and up walks some young man I don't even know. For some reason, God just puts people in our path, don't he? Young man, 25 years old, he comes up and he tells me his whole life story. I was there to watch the races. How many got people comes around you like that sometimes? Like, shut up, man. I'm, I'm watching this. Come on, somebody. Christians, we get awful mean sometimes and hateful. I ain't got time for that, right? Talk to the hand. You know? As I was sitting there, he, he was just puking his life story out to me, just everything. Abandoned by family from Upper Michigan and sitting at a racetrack in Eastern Kentucky. He moved to Charleston, West Virginia, found a girl. She got pregnant, had a baby. And last winter, he's sitting there looking at me and he said, and you know how they talk, they say baby mama. <laughs> said, my baby mama kicked me out and so I was trying to work through the winter, and he said, thank God we didn't have many snows. He said, I lived in my truck for nine months. on the outside I could sit there Joe Don and look at him and look down and say well why don't he wear clean clothes you could tell that the pants that he had on had not been washed probably for months and he didn't smell real good his hair looked greasy He said, as I work for my boss, he said, he loves this racing thing and he lets me come. He lets me help. And he kept saying, we got a car. We. He said, thankfully, my boss finally asked me one day, he said, where are you staying? And in the truck. 
come stay with us. Just come stay with us. He said, man, my boss ain't no older than me. He's 27. I'm 25. And I'm staying with them. He said, and all I got to do is pay 150 a week. And the guy gives me a job. He was cussing. He, he, and I just sat there and listened, Cindy. Because sometimes people don't need our advice. They need our ear. And I think Jesus was a good listener. And I don't think Jesus tried to fix people overnight. I think he let broken people come and walk. Say, just come as you are. I think he would let them help in ministry. So in this message, all I want you to end with is, sure, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But if it is broke, fix it. What am I saying? Change some things. Amen. If you've got areas of struggle, if you're going through bad times, if there's something broke, fix it. If there's wires hanging out your tire, get a tire. Amen. If you're struggling, speak up. There's people in this room I promise you there's people in this room that will gladly help you. Can anybody in this room say amen so others in this room knows it's okay to say something. Don't struggle alone. We're in this together. And the ending story is Peter and John one time walking up in the temple and there was a guy there he was begging for money and he was sick and afflicted and the Bible says that as James and there's Peter and John was walking up there that Peter looked down and said silver and gold have I none but such as I have I give unto thee and it changed that guy's life in an instant I don't have enough gold but if you do have a tire that's wore out holler at me I'll, I'll get you a tire okay if you've got a bald tire and wires are hanging out your tire, and you can't go get a tire, let me know. I'll buy you a tire. Amen? But sometimes silver and gold can't buy what's broke. See, the guy was laying there sick and thought, if I can just get enough money to eat today, I'm going to be okay for today. When Jesus is saying, i got enough to fix you for eternity, and money can't buy it, Come on, somebody. Money cannot buy the brokenness that we're all carrying around. Only what I have is Jesus, and he can fix it. I want you to reach over and place your hand on your neighbor's shoulders there next to you. I just want us all to pray for each other today. And Anybody that's struggling or 
Maybe there's sickness. Maybe there's financial problems. Maybe there's relationship problems that you're dealing with, some family issues. There's all kinds of brokenness. And they all can't be named right here, but you know when you're hurting and when you're not. I just want you to reach over there and lay your hand on their shoulder and begin to pray for that individual that you're sitting beside of. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And God, for the people that have came out to the bridge today, God, I pray for those that are watching online and that will listen this week to the, to the podcast. God, I just pray today that as we're here assembled, God, that you would be with us and that this Trading Spaces message, God, would be a reality to us, that we would begin to view from other people's point of view that we could see from their perspective. And Lord, when one are hurting, we're all hurting. And Lord, when we're, one of us is rejoicing, that we'll all rejoice together. God, connect us here together at the bridge to be learners of you, to be servants like you, that we would help society and be an answer to problems. God, I pray today that you would equip the saints in this room to be ministers like they've never been. God, that they would be open and receptive when your Holy Spirit beckons them to make a difference in someone's lives. That they'll open up their wallets, that they'll open up their hearts, that they'll open up their mouths to represent you and your kingdom. God, heal hearts in this place today. For those that are struggling financially right now, I pray blessings over the people of the bridge. Lord, that you would make a way where there seems to be no way. God, that you would bring in resources. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. And God, you can make a way. God, for those that are struggling here in that manner, God, I pray that you rain down blessing upon them, that you change their situation. And if you don't, if it's a lesson being taught, help us to learn together. And God, for those with health issues in this place that need healing today, as their neighbor is praying for them and thinking about them, God, I pray for their bodies to be healed according to your word. In Jesus' name. God, for those in this room, that are facing mental illness and and situations and they're troubled and they're perplexed on every side and it seems like the world is crashing down on them. God, I pray that they would understand that their eyes would be enlightened, that they could see that the people of the bridge love them unconditionally, that they don't have to measure up, that they don't have to fit the mold, they can be themselves. And God, that you love them just like they are. Help us to be there for each other and with each other. Even in struggles. Let the mind of Christ be in them. That they would think like you. That they would be like you. help every situation, fill every need, 
help us be involved. In Jesus' name. Everybody says, Amen.